You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. It's now time for All Aboard. My special guest this morning is Mike Tyrrell, uh, who is travelling right around Australia as we speak with his young family. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Pat. Now, you've got a great story, mate, because you are the CEO of Survival First Aid. And for anyone wondering, if you go to your first aid kit and you look at the branding, the chances are, if you're living in Australia, you're basically using... Mike's gear. Tell us a bit about Survival, mate, and the story of it, which your dad uh, founded back in 1988. Yeah, look, that my old man, Tim, uh, he found me as a toddler. I was three or four, and I had blood um, from head to toe, you know, had a head wound. And as a father, he, he felt pretty helpless, didn't know what to do. He reached for a first aid um, handbook, and he, uh, he was trying to figure out how to stop the bleeding, and it kept on closing on him. Um, so two things happened from that moment. He, he felt he didn't have the adequate skills himself and there wasn't enough um, adequate uh, medical information out there um, or a solution to really give him a better chance in that scenario. At so, the same time... Oh, sorry, mate. No, no, I was going to say, it, it, so it wasn't a survival kit that was first created though, was it? It, it was more around the education piece. Yeah, it was. So it was a first aid handbook. It was called the Emergency First Aid Handbook. It ended up winning a design award. It had a magnet on it. Um, and the whole aim was to, when you open it up, it doesn't close on you. Because what he had was like this old um, book from a from you know a, a different supplier at the time. Um, and it just kept, it was like a paperback, kept on closing on him. And he's like, this is no good um, because there's blood everywhere. And, you know, you, you pick up your novel now and it shuts on you. Um, it wasn't any good. So... He himself and his um, identical twin, Jerry, um, who's the creative genius, uh, they came up with a pretty good solution um, at the time. Um, so it was always there on the fridge. You could grab it. And when you opened it, it had a spiral bind on it. So it would always stay in the section that you want. It was all um, tabbed. So if you could find bleeding, you know, at a real glance, super easy and flick it over. And if it got wet, it didn't matter. Uh, you know, it was all all sort of solved up. It's so um, funny It's so funny you mentioned that. That has literally just spiked my memory growing up, having exactly that on the fridge where there's the magnet on the top and like you said, you've got all the tabs for certain injuries and, and, and incidents and what they might be. Yeah, mate. It was, you probably got it at a school run because it was like... I reckon it would have been, yeah, where, yeah. Yeah, it was like, it's out of the old chocolate uh, Freddos and uh, Caramello Koalas. It was uh, the old um, mum and dad was sort of parading across Australia uh, getting those books out. I think they sold two million plus of them. Um, and it was really just the intention is they wanted people to be empowered and have better access to information for the inevitable scenario that's going to come up at some point, whether it's minor or you know through the major scenario. Yeah. And so the business has expanded. Obviously, there's a huge range now in terms of the products that you um, – supply and produce and those sorts of things um that leads us to the trip that you've got on now because i don't think there's any greater branding piece than than setting up a caravan um with whatever businesses that that people are interested or involved in and and you've done it this way where survival's all over the van and you've taken your three kids and your wife bianca around australia on an incredible trip oh definitely mate we've got this uh caravan with a huge snake on the back you can't you can't miss us um, when we're traveling and then down one side we're 
everyone um, drives past us. It's got the big first aid kit that's opened, and it's uh, it's all about brand awareness, yeah, for us. It's just getting out there and and showing it, and it's 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 been a brilliant trip, you know, from many different perspectives, uh, but from a personal level and obviously for for a work level. So you're based in New South Wales. I know you work down the um, the Great Ocean Road from Calvary to Kangaroo Island, Durian Bay, and you've worked into the into the west now. Um, where are the, the places that you've been that's taken your breath away in terms of, you know, you hear the things and you do a bit of research, but then you actually get to the place and you go, this is just such a wonderful thing for not only yourself oh, and your wife, but your kids to experience. Oh, yeah. There's, like, there's so many unique, amazing and different experiences. Like every day is different. But, you know, for us, we definitely had some highlights. Like Kangaroo Island was absolutely amazing. Um, still windy and cold as. <laughs> um, even in sort of, in sort of summer, which is like you know, it's a bit surprising. Everyone thinks you're tra- you're chasing the sun, you're going to be in the sun, and it's, uh, life's perfect. Um, you know, there's some amazing days, but there's also some pretty pretty terrible cold days. You know, it's, it's, but that's just the reality of it. Um, so we we enjoyed that. We loved uh, Lucky Day down at uh, the bottom of WA um, after crossing the Malabar. Um, just those beautiful beaches. Um, you know, it was amazing water. And then coming back through um, up WA, like the Ningaloo Coast, yes. um, you know, we we just kept on going back there, mate. It was, uh, we found a, point, a, a place called Windabandy Point, um, you know, where you, you're in your caravan, you're right on the beach, you're right on the sand, um, swimming out there. There's, you know, reef tip sharks, dolphins, dugongs all coming past. And uh, mate had a boat, so we're able to cruise out the boat back and get some fish. You know, it was just uh, an incredible experience. Now you've taken the three kids and you've caravaned throughout the the whole journey. You, you know, it's been a, a camping experience. What have you learnt around caravanning that you didn't already know with this? Because obviously, there's certain things that when you first take off and you think, "Oh, these will be the challenges," or you know, this this part might be a bit difficult, and and the rest will be fine. What have What have you learnt about yourself and your family? Oh, mate, there's so many things. Um, like for starters, I was an absolute novice. Um, and still am, but you know, you get it. I didn't have a four wheel drive, I didn't know how to tow anything. You know, there was all that anxiety and fear of the unknown before you leave. Um, and I've obviously pulled on my big boy pants and um, and got myself a bit more comfortable there after you know 30,000 odd kilometers of driving it. <laughs> I'm still not that good at uh reversing it, you know, like we get it done. Um, but luckily, I've got Bianca and she just sort of gets her, um, she likes, loves it, just getting out and. And dominates with the bossing of you know turn down here, turn down there, and and we get it sorted out. Um, was the so, was the Great Ocean Road a, a baptism of fire around that? Because I th- I think from memory, looking through the socials, you've got a two hundred series Land Cruiser. Yeah, that's it. So it's a big car, it's a big van, and there are narrow stretches along the Great Ocean Road and very high bloody cliffs. Oh mate, so much. I was like, you know, I'm gripping on. <laughs> For dear life, and it's, it's hectic when you've got like you know we had a two we had a two year old, four year old, six year old. They're all in the back, <laughs> screaming their heads off, yelling, fun, like, <laughs> and, and then you pull into a caravan park and they've got you pushed in like sardines down there. Um, it was pretty, it's pretty challenging, hey. And uh, but, what, what about the amazing. sleeping patterns with the three like that? My wife and I we've just we've bought a caravan about three months ago. Uh, we've only been for sort of a few different weekend trips because of footy. But the sort of anxiety that we have is, holy crap, we're going to sleep in a confined environment for 
weeks and months on end. You've done it for seven months. Are you just used to no sleep now or are you getting a, a good night's sleep? Well, it's funny because we, we only went for one night in the caravan before we went on this trip. and It was in September and my now four-year-old, who was like three, he, uh, he gets pretty like, angry at night time sometimes. And the first night, he, um, he absolutely kicked the window through. Um, so in his bed. So the first week's window, whatever, it was all broken. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, rain was coming in. And we were like, how are we going to do this? Um, and then it wasn't for a couple of weeks. Life was too busy for a couple of months before we took off. It was in September. And we went in December. We're like, oh, we just got to rip the Band-Aid off. You know, <laughs> like a yeah. company, you got to rip it off. <laughs> um, and... It's been surprise. It's been amazing. Like it was way better than we expected. Um, the kids just sort of just it just all worked. Yeah. Um, you know, which is uh, I don't know if everyone has that experience, but they just get used to it. You know, you know, you got to put in some time. Get uh, make sure they feel comfortable. Um, but we're pretty. We're on a pretty good. You know, people talk about routines. You know, the kids aren't really getting out of bed until seven. We try to make that a bit of a rule. Um, you don't want to wake up the rest of the people that uh, you're traveling with, you know, like that are next door or wherever you are. Like as soon as our kids wake up, it's hectic. And I'd say uh, this is one of my biggest challenges this morning. I, I, I love getting up. I love doing that sort of stuff. But we're speaking before we got on um, on here. You don't get that much time to yourself when, you know, when you're away. Like you, yes. yep. it's a lot of facility management is what we sort of talk about. Like you're figuring out, You've got your caravan set up, you've got stuff to do with the car, you've got like other little jobs and, and bits and pieces. And then I've got the challenge also, which is great because I still get to do the trip and I wouldn't be able to do it otherwise, but I've got to um, do my work stuff as well. And then you've got your kids waking up in the morning. So when they wake up in the morning, they're just bouncing off the walls. When you're in the tiny little <laughs> caravan, which is 21 foot, the, I get them breakfast and then I almost have to tap out because they uh, it's like screaming and hooting and they're like wrestling and building cubby houses inside and, and you just, oh, I've got to get out. You know, that, that, that's my, <laughs> one of my biggest challenges is, you know, I get to tap out. My wife will stay in bed. She's just going to hate me saying this, but she, she'll um, be in there for a good hour or so and just tolerate it while she reads the book. <laughs> but I can't, I can't deal with it. I'm like, I'm out. I'm, I've got to go do my work somewhere else. It is one of those things, though, that you'll never be able to get this time back again. So if you don't do it now, then when will you do it? You know, so many people think, well, I'll, I'll wait till I retire and then I'll go and experience these things. But by that stage, your kids are 18 plus. They don't want anything to do with you. They're off with their own friends. Like now is the time to actually go and experience you know, something like this as a family and spend time together. You'll never get this sort of time again unless you do, you know, another lap. Oh, 100%, mate. I'm getting goosebumps all at my back, you know, just thinking about it because you never know what's around the corner. Um, you know, I, I had the, the moment when I ran from the tsunami back in 2004 in, um, in Thailand, in PP. You know, and I shouldn't have lived, but, you know, half the island died. I, I was lucky enough to get to, to different, um, get, get to high ground. And, you know, I got this opportunity to do it, but, you know, I'm, I'm in the sort of the work mode back home. Yeah. Um, and when yep. you're working, you don't really think about these things. You think, oh, I'll do it later. You know, it'll happen. Um, you know, I guess one of the big blessings of doing this is uh, it, it forced me to um, put things in perspective more. Like I always knew to be grounded, you know, after surviving the tsunami and all that sort of stuff. But then you get stuck back into that normal, just you know, the grind, the rat race. Um, and then getting away on this um, on this big trip, you've got then this balance of like I could keep, I could work heaps and just keep, you know, working while I'm away. But then I'm missing out on all these great adventures and experiences and time with family. So it's forced me to really 
take that step back from work, which I don't do when I, I didn't do yeah, it when you're home. home. Yeah, exactly. When you're home, you sort of just continue to do it. And when you're away on these things and you have on these trips, and these amazing, um, you know, adventures, uh, you you got to spend time with the kids. And and so yeah, I've definitely took me a while to unwind, but once I unwound, I'm definitely uh, it, it's it's just such a great thing to do. And such is there? I'm so so blessed. Is there an end site for the trip? Like how long to go? You've been you've been gone since December. Um, how long to go? And, and where's next? You're in Western Australia at the moment, I know. Yeah, so we're up in. Uh, we just left the Exmouth region. We're sort of heading up to to Broome, uh, and we're we're meant to be back in December for the middle of December. I'd, uh, I, my wife would love to keep on going around um, and just keep on travelling, uh, but I think we'll, we'll be back then. The, the, my four-year-old or nearly five-year-old is about to go to school, so we'll get him into kindy. Um, but I think it's one of those things that once you do this, it, like we just think, talk to ourselves, how do you go back? Yeah. How do you go back and, <laughs> and, and just get back to that sort of normal, um, you know, just, a, just everyday life, yeah, which is like, it's fine. It's an, it's an amazing life as well, but when you have these, Amazing experiences. You just want to keep on doing them. From a from memory, going away as a as a young kid, mum and dad were teachers, and that obviously have their their um, long service leave at different points. It's the they're the trips that you remember as a kid. Um, Mike, I know you uh, you had to set up the Starlink in order to have this interview uh, today, so that sort of speaks to the the rural aspect of where you're at. Um, I hate to do it, but take me back to shop. Before we finish up, what's next for survival first aid kits for the the rest of 2023? What do you have coming up? Um, Because that's obviously a big part of what you do, um, but also in terms of the real adventures, listeners, um, whether it's fishing, uh, boating, full driving, it's an important part of your everyday adventure because inevitably at some point, something will go wrong. That's it, and that's part of our... It's part of our ethos, mate. We um, we we want people to live life, do their amazing experiences, and we just have a first aid kit that's there with you for that just in case scenario that pops up. So for survival, the big thing that we've got on our radar for twenty twenty three is so we back when we started in the nineteen eighty eight, um, it was all about the first aid book. Um, we've put that into an app. We've got iFirstAid as an app. Now, the app is existent right now, but it's just had a lot of money put into it for a full revamp. Um, and it's super important to, to survival, to Tim and Jerry and to myself, that everyone has access to medical information at their fingertips. It's free, this app. Um, and we, and we, we strive to keep it free so that it, everyone has an opportunity to respond properly. And, you know, you know, we talk about back in the day having a book, Everyone's got a phone in their hands all the time now. So there's no excuse to really not be um, armed with the best information. And that's what the app has done. So iFirstAid is the app. It's just about to be relaunched. That's a big part of what we want. It's sort of um, my dad, uh, he, he sort of wished to me was if he could have a grave with a counter on it, like ticking over the amount of people that have downloaded the app and um, are now better <laughs> prepared. That's what he wants, you know. And so it, it, it's always been a side hustle survival for the for the family but it's just like you said before it's grown bigger and bigger um and to the point where i had to leave my full-time government um, lawyer um, role to uh to make sure that i could focus um all my attention on this because my wife wasn't happy with me doing 
full-time survival, full-time government role, and then I'm trying to be a family person. It just didn't happen. You can't (laughs) fit it all in. If you want to follow uh, Mike and Bianca's journey, you can actually head to to the survival socials um, and they're documenting their their journeys, which is just wonderful to see. For more information, uh, you can head to survivalfirstaidkits.net.au. That's where you can purchase a whole range uh, of different products, uh, which, of course, keep you safe. Mike, thank you so much for your time this morning on Real Adventures. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it, mate.